Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. Welcome. Welcome. Glad to see you all here. Church is almost completely full, so... Thanks for being disciples out there and inviting people to church. Um, last week, Pastor Matt, uh, we're going through the, the Bible series still. It's a three-year project where we're going through the Bible from start to finish. Um, and we got introduced to Abraham. And he said something that hit me in an awesome way um, when I was listening to the podcast is that we are blessed to be a blessing. And just, I know growing up in church sometimes you just think that's a cliche. Like, yeah, I'm blessed to be a blessing, but... To really understand that, that we are blessed to bless others around us and to reach out to people and serve people. And that's what the church is. It's not coming and sitting and, and enjoying a sermon and a couple worship songs, but it's, it's being equipped and going out and being the church to people. That your life would just shine to people and you'd be able to serve people in whatever way they need you. Um, so I just really, really like that. Um, just knowing that, that we get to be partners in that age-long promise that God gave to Abraham that through you all nations will be blessed and now hearing about the missionaries and people all over the world just serving God and 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 sharing the gospel with people just that's encouraging to me I hope it is for you too Um, but anyways before we get started I just want to pray so bow your heads please Father God I just thank you for allowing us to be here and allowing us to gather together and worship you and and learn more about you and have you reveal more of yourself to us God I ask, Lord, that you would just anoint every heart and every mind to receive what you want them to receive, God. Nothing more, nothing less, Father. And I ask that you would just anoint me and anoint my lips, God, that I would just speak what you would have me to speak, God. And that flesh wouldn't get in the way, but Holy Spirit, that you would fall on us and that you would speak to us and guide us and encourage us and strengthen us, God. We just love you so much. We praise you. And everyone says, Amen. So today, we start our biblical narrative about 25 years from when God first gave Abraham the promise. Um, So he's a little over 100 years old. Um, And we start that in Genesis 22. And we know from the context of Scripture that Isaac is old enough to be walking and talking at least. We don't know exactly if he's a teenager or if he's still young, but he's old enough to talk to his dad and and understand concepts. Um, So we start in Genesis 22, starting at verse 1. And I think it's up there. Yes, it is. It says, After these things... God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose And went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And our first point today is that God's covenant comes at a cost. And I know I have heard this story a lot. I grew up 
in a church atmosphere, ran away from God, finally surrendered myself. So I had heard this story before, but studying it and, and, and reading it and trying to understand it, just God revealed so many different things to me that I just skimmed over before. And um, the, one of the first things is that this journey took three days. Like, it wasn't just God woke him up and he's like, all right, we're going. It was a process. It was a three-day process that this happened. And that where they were going, um, in Second Chronicles chapter 3, it says, The land of Moriah is a region, a range of mountains, located just north of the ancient city of David, in the territory where the temple would later be built. So Moriah, it's, it's the roots of Jerusalem and Israel are in Moriah. That Israel was there, put there because of the, the, the faith test that Abraham went through. And because he obeyed, that's where God planted his people. And I thought that was just amazing to, to know that because I never knew that before. Another thing it pointed out is what, what Abraham says is, Then Abraham, on verse 5, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And I was just thinking about that. There, he told his servants that he is going to go worship with his son, but he's sacrificing. And so it hit me, and God spoke to me that a sacrifice, what we give to God, that's also a form of worship. And I know a lot of times in my life, especially I think of worship as gathering together and praying and praising God, but also that, that you understand that a form of worship is sacrificing what you give up for the sake of the gospel and what you go through is also a form of worship. In Romans 12, 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So everything we go through and, and everything we do is a form of spiritual worship of what we're giving up and what we're sacrificing to God. And that, to me, was just amazing to understand that. And also trying to understand that it is a three-day process that Abraham went through. And he's human, Right? So he's been waiting on this son for how long? Years. Knew it was a promise. And then God tells him to sacrifice his son. And he's got three days to think on it. And in my head, I try to put my shoes in these biblical guys' uh, shoes, right? I try to understand, like, okay, what if God asked me that? I have three days on a donkey. Like, riding, look back at my son, smile. Hey, how are you doing? I'm about to kill you. Like, what, is, what am I doing? I've lost my mind. Was that God? Was that really? Did God really tell me that? Am I losing it? And so do you think that, that every step of the journey could have been challenging but gracious as well because his faith was, faith was deep and he knew that God had called him to do this. And despite what it looked like and the circumstances looked like, he was going to follow through with it. And I also think, which the Bible doesn't share this, but it made me wonder, did he tell Sarah, his wife, what he was going to do? I, I mean, because you expect spouse to be close, and if you have a son and God called you to go sacrifice it, would you tell his mom? I don't know. Because if you look at the situation with Abraham's other son, Ishmael, through Sarah's servant, she sent him and his mom off because she didn't want them to inherit Isaac's inheritance. And so you think, like, did he, did he go to Sarah like, hey, I know we've been waiting on him, but God called me to kill him, and i got to obey, so I'll see you later. Hope we have another one. Like, it's just, it's crazy and baffling to think that. And it's just understanding that, that there, had, there was a purpose and that even though he had those thoughts, he was still so focused on God and knew God was going to follow through. And our third point will reveal more of that, of why he had that deep faith. But let's continue in Genesis 22, verse 7. 
But it says, And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to a place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And that leads us to our second point, that God provides a substitute sacrifice to pay the cost. And I love this verse in verse 8 where Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And how that just echoes through the entire Old Testament. Like God is going to provide someone. He's going to provide the sacrifice that can cure our sin, that can completely take it away and give us a right standing with God. And you look and you know the first New Testament where Jesus walks up and John the Baptist seems like, behold, the lamb is there. And how awesome is it that, that we know who the promised Messiah is, that it was Jesus that took our sin and completely was persecuted so that we can have a right standing with God. And its roots are here. When Abraham said, God's going to do it, God's going to provide this, because we can't do it in our own selves, but we can trust God that he can take care of us. I love that this, I love this, that it says faith and love are only theoretical until they're demonstrated. You can say you have faith and you can say you love someone, but until you're tested with it, you don't know. You have head knowledge, but you've never made it practical. And oftentimes God calls us to make our faith practical. And a lot of times our suffering is not an attack from the enemy. It is God testing. He knows where your heart is, but he wants you to know where your heart is. Do you serve him the way that you think you do? Do you love him the way you think you do? Or is it just an act? Are you going through the motions? Are you just coming to church to get filled up? I feel good. And then throughout the week, you don't, nobody even knows you're a Christian. Nobody has any idea. You curse like everyone else. You get drunk like everyone else. Whatever it is, nobody knows. But oftentimes, God challenges us. And God used this test to validate Abraham's faith and prove the authenticity of his love. And I had an experience where God challenged my faith um, about a year ago. Shay and I were itinerating to try to get here and raise the funds. And, and I think it was a little earlier because we had just started. And I was recently saved. God set me free from a lot of different addictions in my life. And everything was going great. And I was like, God, it's me and you. I got faith. This is awesome. I love going to church. I love, I love all the blessings. Like, this is awesome. I, I thank you so much for blessing me and pouring out your love. And, and after I got married about a week or two, God, it's like he spoke to me. I'm laying in bed, and he's like, will you still serve me if I take her away? And I'm thinking, like, I, I should not deserve someone like Shay. She's an amazing woman of God. 
so faithful, so awesome, never strayed from God, and, and now God's blessed me with her. And I dealt with my life where it seemed like God always stripped things away from me. It was a lot of times, most of the time, it was my own doing, but I always viewed it as God's angry at me, and he's taking something else from me. And so I immediately was like, no, I'm not going to serve you. That's enough. I've had enough. Stop taking things from me. If you take her away, I guarantee you I will not serve you. And that's when it checked. Like, ooh, he's really not the highest priority in my life. And oftentimes God's going to challenge you with those things to test and see if you truly follow him first and foremost or is he on the sidelines of your life. And so as this continued for months is I finally got with it and I was like, okay, God, I'd, I'd prayed and sought God and seeking him out and reading his word. And, and I got to a point where I said, I, I knew, I was like, God, yes, I will serve you no matter what. If you take her from me, I will continue to serve you. And then he said, okay, would you still do missions if I take her away? And I was like, nope, nope, I'll serve you, but that's too much. I'm not going to do this alone. I'm, I'm not going to do what you've called me to do if you take her away. And again, that process of, of fighting and trusting God and, and having, and I finally, in, in a place, I was like, okay, all right, I'll serve you. I'll do it. I'll still do missions. You take her away. It's going to be hard. I don't know how that's going to look, but I'll do it. And so I, I'd said that to God, but he was soon about to test if I truly believed that. And so Shay gets this weird sickness, man. Like, it makes no sense. She's bedridden. She can't really speak. Like, we took her to doctors. as a multiple-week thing and, and nothing. She's just, they can't diagnose it. And I'm, like, praying, and I'm praying for healing, and we're calling people to pray for, and, and nothing's happening. And so the last three days of this sickness, I had stopped praying. I had stopped reading my word. I was just like, this is dumb. This is, I don't like this. And so I'm, I'm more bitter. I'm getting angry. And so she's in the chair. I've helped her get in the chair. And, and she's been praying this whole time because she's awesome. And like, God, what are you teaching me through the suffering? What am I going, what are you teaching me? And I'm just like, God, you're, you're, you're terrible right now. I don't know what you're doing. And so she ends up, God told her to ask me, like, what is God teaching you? And I angrily said back, well, apparently the people that call themselves Christians aren't really Christians that are praying for you or you'd have been healed already. This is ridiculous. I was like, I'm praying for you. Am I even a Christian? I don't even know. And I'm just angry about this situation. And so she was like, you, you need to trust in God. And it hit me. I was like, oh, man, maybe this is, is this it? God, are you taking her from me? And you're testing me like you did, Abraham? So I go downstairs and I pray. And I just, I emptied my, I was like, God, I trust you. If you take her away, I'm still going to serve you. Um, I, I will completely serve you. I'm sorry that I've not trusted you. And it's like he spoke to me again and said, if you can't trust me in things like this, how are you going to trust me the rest of your life? Through everything else you're going to go through. And it was just, oh, I finally understood in myself this, this Abraham story of where God calls you to do something and you follow through with it. And oftentimes we're going to deal with that. You're going to have situations in your life where if you haven't already dealt with it, you will, where God is going to challenge you and test you. He won't tempt you. It's not his job, but he will test you. And that leads us to our third point, that God causes people to trust in his provision. And we go to Hebrews chapter 11 for this, starting at verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, 
and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering, offering up his only son, of whom it said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. And this, to me, is where it all made sense. It was like, okay, so Abraham wasn't necessarily going crazy or asking all those questions because he had some deep internal faith, deep belief that, okay, God called me to kill him, so I'm going to kill him, but he's going to bring him back to life right there because he was holding on to the promise that God had given him, and he knew God wasn't going to lie. And it's like, man, how do you, to me, it amazes me. He did, it's this before the written word. This is before you're going to church on Sunday and you're praising God and, and Jesus did what he did. And, and, but he has that faith in God that he completely believes that what God says is going to happen. He birthed this dream. He birthed this promise. So he's going to follow through with it. And I know because he promised me Isaac and he promised that he, he's going to start the line of the inheritance that God has blessed me with to bless every nation. So that's what's going to happen. Apparently, I'm going to sacrifice my son. He's going to bring him back to life and we're going to worship together, which makes sense. Now, when he said to the servants, me and my son, we're going to go worship, and then we'll be back. He wasn't lying to him. He, had, he knew. He knew. And I want to get to a place in my life where I believe God for the things he's birthed in me. And I wonder what he's birthed in you, what promises he's given you, and what he's told you he's going to fulfill in your life. And no matter what the season you're going through, hold on to that. Because like Abraham believed, in his faith, he believed God to do the impossible in an impossible situation. Only God can do this. This is only going to work if God's in it. I can't do this. I can't bring my son back to life. I'm going to sacrifice him, but God has promised that he is my heir, and he will bring him back to life. And I love Abraham's faith in that. But then, as you read it, I saw something a little different that's not always preached on, at least I haven't heard it when I was growing up, is Isaac's faith. Like, nowhere in Scripture does it show that Isaac fought against Abraham. It was like, you ain't tying me up. I don't think so, because I feel like I would do that. If my dad, like, well, maybe I didn't trust my dad as much as Isaac trusts Abraham in this situation, but if my dad was tying me up and laying me up and had a knife above me, I'm squirming, and I'm going to get off that altar. And there's no way you're going to stab me and kill me. But Isaac didn't. He trusted his dad completely. Because he'd asked him, where's the sacrifice? God will provide. Okay, dad. Got it. Completely bound, laid on the altar, right before it. No squirming, no screaming, just willing. Willing. And I love how that foreshadows what Jesus did on the cross is he, God didn't force him to do it. He willingly submitted, completely gave it all, poured out everything for us, all so we could have a right relationship with God and not die in our sin and go to hell, but that we can have eternal life that is only promised through Jesus. And I, I, it's just, it makes no sense how that happens and how Jesus could do that. And I think in our lives, if we're willing to be Christ-like, or we say we're Christ-like, do we follow in his footsteps? Are you willing to sacrifice everything for Jesus in your life, whether he calls you to sacrifice it or not? Are you willing to do it? Are you willing to give up your spouse or your kids or your job 
or whatever it is, be stripped of nothing just for the sake of the gospel? Are we willing to be Christ-like like that? And that's something you have to look internally. Can I do that? Would I do that if God called me? Would I give everything up because my faith is rooted so deep? And I think a lot of times in our lives that we've seen in the Western church, in the American churches, we don't give everything. We're convenient Christians. We praise God and we serve God when it's convenient. But not when something else is more important in our life. Not when our kids play sports. Not going to church. Not when it's time for fest and you want to party a little bit. Not going to church. Whatever it is that takes precedence in your life shows where God is valued in your life. And I'm not saying you need to go every Sunday, but you need to serve God every day. And he's got to be in your life every day. And you've got to pray over every situation in your life. Because if you look through the Old Testament, through the kings that we'll go through, probably in about a year, maybe, is that when they didn't pray and seek God on a decision, it failed miserably. To claim that you follow God, but you don't really do it, changes everything. God's not going to honor what you're doing unless you're putting him first. And I think of... What if Jesus acted the way I've seen a lot of people act, and even I've acted in my own life? Just picture him for a second. He's, he's getting beaten and persecuted, smacked around, mocked, called names, everything. He goes to the cross. He's getting nailed on the cross. He's finally risen up, dying of exhaustion. He's thirsty. He's tired. He can't breathe because the way he's hanging and then he just says, stop, that's enough. I'm not doing this. Angels come down from heaven. He's in his glory. Y'all aren't worth it. Nope, not willing to give it all up. This is too much. I don't want to sacrifice everything. I don't have to. I'm the king of kings, lord of lords. You do what I tell you to do. I'm not willing to submit, not in this way. But he didn't. He gave it all, sacrificed everything. And if anyone had the status to not do it, it would have been him. But he led by example. He completely submitted himself to God and gave everything so that we could understand how to walk this out. We're not above our master. We're not. And through that, when you think of it that way, witnessing to people and loving people isn't so much a chore as it is an honor and a privilege that God... Jesus, God sent his son, Jesus, to give you right standing so that you can go out and witness and save people from hell daily. Daily. Not every once in a while. But that you wouldn't be a closet Christian. And I'm not saying be that weird guy that's going up to everyone like, let me pray for you right now because I feel like you're sick. But just living a life that's honorable and worthy. Living yourself as a, a, as a living sacrifice. Praying daily that God would fill you up so that you could sacrifice yourself to others around. Giving when it hurts. And not always when it's easy. Not being convenient. Because we're people who have realized the fullness of God's promise. And been saved by God's sacrifice of his son. We trust God with full confidence in his resurrection power. Willing to sacrifice all for his mission. And are you willing to do that? Because I can't answer that for you. Your spouse can't answer it for you. You have to answer that for yourself. Are you willing to give it all up like Jesus did? Because if not, you're only fooling yourself. 
You're not doing anybody else any good. You're definitely not doing yourself any good. You have to be willing to give it all like he gave it all. And if you're just going through the motions, it's going to crush you. And your faith is, is on something else. Like the way I was raised in church, my faith was based on my parents' faith. I had faith because they had faith, but I didn't have a real relationship. And when push came to shove and the world hit me, I gave up because I was never solidified in God. Even Jesus talked about counting the costs before you become a disciple. He said a builder doesn't start building something before he decides if he has enough materials. You check it out, make sure you have it, know, and then go. Don't just call yourself a Christian, do a Christian because you come to church. Being a Christian is giving yourself up for the sake of the gospel and sacrificing everything for Jesus. Are you willing to do that? Can you do that? Are you willing to serve people like that? It's an internal check, and I hope that you are. And I know maybe this seems a little downcast on a happy, cheerful message, but it's time that the Western Church starts getting challenged in that area, that we raise the bar of what it means to be a church member. It's not coming and sitting. It's serving. And if you're not serving, you're not following Jesus. Because that's all he did was serve. Love and serve. And do God's work every day. Sleep in wherever he could sleep. Not worrying about the next day. Telling people, don't worry about tomorrow. Today's got enough problems. Do today. Serve today. Love people today. And through that personal investment, it changed everything. Are you willing to do that with people? To disciple people that way? And live your life in a way where they know you're not just blowing smoke when you say things because they see you walk it out, especially when it's hard. That it's not easy being a Christian. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Staying on drugs and staying away from church and God was easy. This is difficult. Every day getting up and fighting my flesh and having the Holy Spirit empower me even more. I pray that you pray that every single day that God would give you those moments where you can speak into people's lives and love people and live in a way that it challenges people around you. That they see something in you, they see that joy and that peace, and and they're like, wow, something's different. What is it? Because I'm filled with Jesus, man. He set me free and saved my life. It's not witnessing, it's just telling people what God's done in your life, and that changes everything. And through that, real disciples can be made that go out like they're missionaries all over the world because they believe so wholeheartedly that they're willing to be a martyr for Christ. Sometimes we're too tired. We don't want to come to church. Big difference. Big difference. Monumental, man. Challenge yourself. Check yourself. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.